Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the show. Okay, we've been asking this question ad infinitum now since probably at least December. But is Boris Johnson finally dead? Finito, extinct, politically speaking, because I, I suppose in terms of Boris Johnson, his his whole political career has been a bit like the T one thousand at the end of Terminator two, uh, in which politically speaking, of course, we're talking politically speaking here. In case I'm comp- uh, suggesting that I'm 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 going to machine gun um, uh, Boris Johnson with Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, but the T one thousand just wouldn't die. Uh, and his political career has been a bit like that. He's survived the sorts of things that normal politicians, of course, would be destroyed by. Uh, before he even became prime minister, of course, he'd been sacked twice for lying. Uh, P- uh, Peter O'Born, uh, who's a former employee of Boris Johnson, of course, been on the show, has written an extensive book about the lies and dishonesty of Boris Johnson, which uh, he couldn't fit all the lies and dishonesty in. So he had to set up a website to keep updating it. What do we know about Boris Johnson? We know that he denied over and over again that the party's in number 10, of course. We don't need to go through this, really. But we know that at time when ordinary people couldn't hold the hands of dying loved ones and they watched their relatives buried on Zoom while nurses and doctors carry the nation through its most severe national emergency since World War II. He said over and over again the rules were uh, were followed. Now, we know as a fact that that wasn't true. <laughs> there were multiple parties in number 10. It was like the Hacienda on Thames, while millions of people observed rules they understood. So, you know, when they say now that we, as a fact, that Boris Johnson lied over and over again, uh, some might say that he's so addicted to dishonesty, he, the, the distinction in his head between truth and lies has been completely blurred. So he doesn't know when he's lying. It's still a lie, though, isn't it? It's still, uh, it's still not the truth. It's still uh, giving a version of events which is in direct uh, collision with the actual reality of what happened. He's been fined uh, and he's likely to be fined for multiple uh, rules violations. If he didn't understand the rules he was responsible for and indeed charged with communicating, why is he prime minister? Uh, now, he's got a bit tetchy about this. I think <laughs> I think that's putting it generously. He's been uh, interviewed, of course, and challenged by multiple journalists since it happened. But let's look, just look at his little back and forth with Sky News's Beth Rigby. You, you said that you have nothing to hide, but you are also under investigation for up to all five events you were involved in. Up to five more events. I can't comment on that. I know you can't, uh, but Beth, you might have more fines. You do accept that. Beth, you're going to have to wait okay. to the conclusion of the report. When and, I ask and you, and yes. In the meantime, okay. you promised to get on to the... Uh, you, I, I think people and, will hear uh, that. You did promise. And I you think, did promise to get on to the substance of this trip. And I think the BBC did seven minutes on Partygate, and I'm sure I haven't done as much as that. So well, I'm no, just no, gonna... this, is, this isn't the kind of competition to see who can do more. I'm just why saying... Don't you, why don't you get on to the subject of the trip? Finally... And, and we, will trade, get on, we will get on with that work. And, and since you now come to the point of the trip... Thank you very much. Tetchy, tetchy, um, now, we've got two brilliant guests who I'm about to bring in, and we'll talk about this and much else, what's going on generally in British politics. Uh, as ever, thanks for supporting us on patreon.com forward slash 84 The documentaries, videos we'll do are all thanks to you. 
Um, and you can support the show, uh, of course, by clicking. If you're not watching on YouTube, because lots of you watch on Facebook, I appreciate that. But if you click on the YouTube link and press like and subscribe, and you can use Super Chat to put questions to the guests. I'll thank you all at the end, but I'll put those to our guests. Let's just bring them in. Let's bring in LBC's Ian Dale and the New Statesman's George Eaton. Oh, here they are. Good to see you both. Hi. How are you? And George is definitely showing off, flouting his <laughs> vast array of, of books. For those listening on the podcast, uh, he has an extensive, excellent book collection featuring many books published by Ian Dale's uh, publishing company, Mike Back. Uh, Ian, of course, has a brilliant um, podcast. Don't you, Ian? Go on, just plug it while we're here. Well, I, have si- I have six of them, actually because I'm greedy. Um, but the main, the main one is For The Many, which I do with Jackie Smith, which we constantly get criticised for using the For The Many slogan, but it must be an ultra-left podcast. But I keep having to remind people it was actually a Tony Blair slogan back in the day. Sorry to mention Tony Blair this early in the conversation. Though. I know, I was going to say, you're going to give everyone, you're going <laughs> to trigger everyone with that. So let's, just keep, <laughs> let's keep the Blairism to a minimum. This morning, <laughs> I just want to start, actually, with something, and actually, you didn't flag this before the show, but I'm glad he he raised it. It's, it's this really actually disgusting um, piece in the Mail on Sunday. Uh, so, for those listening, it says Stone the Crows, Tories accuse Rayner of basic instinct ploy to distract Boris Johnson, suggesting that she's trying to throw Boris Johnson off his stride at Prime Minister's questions using her legs. Just profoundly misogynistic, but also. And misogyny and classism will often go together. Angela Rayner, by the way, grew up around the corner from me in Stockport. I mean, when I say around the corner, I mean literally around the corner. She says I'm from the posh part of the street, fine. But she said, "What? sorry, one MP said she knows she can't compete with Boris's Oxford Union debating training, but she has other skills which he lacks. Ian, <clears throat> I just want to hear your thoughts to begin with. Well, I've never stood at the dispatch box in the House of Commons. You'll be relieved to hear, Owen. Um, but I suspect that you can't see somebody else's legs, whether they're male or female, over the dispatch box. So it, the, the story fails on that count. But it, you just think, haven't this, hasn't this kind of story gone from our media by now? And if not, why not? Um, it, it's got an absolute slamming today on Twitter, not just from people on the left, but a lot of people on the right too. And I haven't seen anybody saying, oh, it's just a bit of fun, get over it. And I'm glad about that because this sort of story should not be appearing in a national newspaper. It is completely confected. Now, some people are saying, oh, well, it must be Downing Street that have encouraged them to do it. I doubt that very much. It's just a ridiculous story. You think, was there no female journalist or sub-editor or editor in the publishing process on the Mail on Sunday who thought, you know what, I don't think we should be doing this? Was there no male journalist, for that matter, who thought to themselves, um, I'm not quite sure this really hits the mark. Um, it, it is a, it's a ridiculous story. It's an insulting story. And I hope all Tory politicians will come out and condemn it. Well, actually, a lot of Tory politicians have, but unfortunately, uh, Boris Johnson has treated, as much as I disagree with Angela Rayner on almost every political issue, I respect as a parliamentarian and deplore the misogyny directed at her anonymously today. Nadine Doris also tweeted that. And when Emmy tweeted that, she tweeted the exact same words what, what do you think george i mean what do you think this says george because actually you know actually kate mccann for example who's i think she's now joining talk talk isn't she she's used to be at sky news anyway but she just said if you see the huge anger of female journalists it's because we're so sick and, and mps sorry journalists and mps we get this all the time we're sick of it but george what do you think about the fact 
you know, is this a sign of desperation? What do you think this is? It's hard to imagine a more demeaning piece. And, and, and the piece itself is actually quite short, but the amount of misogyny and snobbery it packs in to quite a limited space is, 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 is astonishing. And I think that's why, as Ian says, you've seen condemnation across the spectrum. And any, any conservatives who think this is helpful to, uh, to, to Boris Johnson uh, must be on, 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 on another planet. Because even if, even if you, you, you assume uh, the, the story is true, which, is, which it's obviously not, um, what does it say about Boris Johnson that the prime minister would apparently is apparently incapable of uh, of of focusing on what he's talking about when there's a, a female MP, MP in front of him? So it's it's self discrediting for the for the Conservatives to be spreading a, a story like this, and then uh, for the for the Mail on Sunday to to publish it. Uh, it's 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 a ludicrous story, and it, and I think it's that's the reason you've seen people across the uh, across the spectrum united in outrage I, I think it's actually worse than that i think what what it is it's an attack on angela rayner not just a sexist and misogynistic attack but it's an attack on her background because what what the story is saying is that because she comes from a working class background in stockport that she's too thick to be able to counter the wonderful arguments put forward by the old Etonian Boris Johnson. Now, anybody that's seen Angela Rayner at the dispatch box knows full well that she's more than capable of looking after herself, more than capable of deploying a, a zinger or two. And she doesn't need uh, anybody from the Mail on Sunday to tell her what she is capable of or not capable of. She hasn't risen to the position of deputy leader of the Labour Party by accident. She's actually got there on merit. And defied huge odds because yeah. to go from a working class background in Stockport in the way she did to less school at the age of 16 to where she has defied odds that most MPs uh, never had to uh, face. Ian, so let's just talk about Boris Johnson. Now, as I've said, it, you know, I think in December, a lot of people thought there's no way he can survive this. I mean, it's just so ludicrous. So the scandal is so great, you know, in a sense, a, uni a uniquely awful scandal for government, I would say, in modern times. Where do you think things are? Where do you think with, with Tory MPs? And do you think at the moment he's he's going to survive? I mean, where do you think where do you think it stands? Well, let, let me start by saying that I, I have never been a great fan of Boris Johnson, despite everyone on Twitter seeming to always notice the points where I say he's done something right, but always forget when I say that he's done something wrong. Um, I, I think... Part of the problem for the left is that they've always underestimated Boris Johnson, going back to the first run against Ken Livingstone in 2008, and, and it's continued since then. He, he is a lucky politician. David Cameron once described him as a greasy piglet and you, you, that you can never catch. So I don't, if you're, if Owen, your position is that he's now politically dead and he's almost certainly going to go, I don't think that's right. Um, I, I can see him escaping from this, uh, whether he should or not, we can come on to. But um, don't underestimate his ability to uh, get out of sticky situations. And th this is a very sticky situation because um, he's been fined once. Um, I don't think any second fine is going to come until after the local elections, which I mean, that in itself is causing some debate as to whether that's uh, the right thing for the Metropolitan Police to do or whether that's politically inspired. I, I don't think it is politically inspired. Uh, people say the whole thing, the whole investigation is politically inspired. Well, you can't have it both ways. Um, but if he is fined a second, third, fourth time, 
I think a lot of Tory MPs are going to think, well, we, we can't we can't put up with this. But then there's the Sue Gray report to come. And now this privilege committee report to come, which could go on until the autumn, can you believe? So th this whole situation is going to be with us for a very long time. Now, there will be a lot of Tory MPs that look at that and say, well, up with this, we cannot put. And what you've got, Owen, is um, so far, comparatively few Tory MPs coming out and saying he should go. There's about a dozen of them. But the key thing is look at who they are. They're not the mad, the bad and the sad. They're not from one wing of the party. They're not Brexiteers or Remainers as a mixture. So you, and some quite respected people among them. Uh, and that, I think, if I was Boris Johnson, I would be quite concerned about because where there are 12, you can be you can be damn sure there's another 10 for each of them uh, in the in the wings who, because they're government ministers or PBSs, they can't come out and say anything or they just haven't got the balls to do it. So I think he's in a worse position now than he was at the beginning of last week. Um, but he's not yet in a fatal position. But that might come. Yeah, I mean, George, we've got this piece here in by Fraser Nelson in The Telegraph. The Tories won't back Boris Johnson, but they aren't ready to sack him either. It's almost like this kind of paralysis because a lot of them think, well, this is not tenable. It's not a tenable political situation, but equally they don't think there's someone viable waiting in the in the wings. Rishi Sunak is finished uh, as a certainly in the here and now for the foreseeable future as a realistic prime minister. Uh, Liz Truss, I think there's a general consensus she's not as things stand leadership material. What do you think, George? I mean, is it basically that that is it, that's the kind of the standoff because a lot of them are fretting about the fact that they, they don't think he's viable, but they don't have an alternative at the moment. Yeah, I think there is something to that. I think if there was a, a ready-made prime minister in waiting in the wings, then Boris Johnson probably would be gone by now. But I think there's a, a wider problem, which is that this has been a leaderless rebellion. It hasn't been a well-organised rebellion. You've had MPs breaking ranks at different times. They've uh, and, and that's partly because um, you haven't got that, that experienced figure who's coordinating it all. Prime ministers are quite hard to get rid of. There's a reason why Theresa May survived for nearly two years after um, after losing her majority. There's a reason why Gordon Brown uh, was never forced out of office. Um, because uh, rebellion, successful rebellion, is, is, is a craft. And when Tony Blair was uh, forced out of office, he was up against a well-honed uh, brown-eyed political machine. Um, that had um, experienced operators at ministerial and at advisor level. There isn't a comparable political operation in the Commons today. Rishi Sunak and uh, uh, and Liz Truss uh, are, are relative newcomers to the to the frontline political game. So I think that's one reason why Boris Johnson has clung on, but also because MPs are often uh, quite cowardly. They're 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 quite prepared to give. Uh, off-the-record quotes to newspapers attacking the Prime Minister. It's another thing to actually go out there and call for him to resign. Obviously, an increasing number have done that, but it's still another thing to take the plunge and, and, and force him out because you can always find reasons not to get rid of a Prime Minister. Oh, we're in the middle of uh, the economies in a difficult period. In this case, people are citing the war in Ukraine, which I think is ludicrous because... Neville Chamberlain was replaced by Winston Churchill after the Second World War had started. Uh, Herbert Asquith was replaced by uh, David Lloyd George. And then more recently, Margaret Thatcher was replaced by John Major. So that argument's uh, complete nonsense. But people are looking for excuses to keep the prime minister because in some ways, uh, a grim status quo uh, 
is 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 sometimes preferable to the unknown from an MP's perspective. Taking that plunge, it, there is still a certain amount of risk involved. I think partly because um, Boris Johnson politically, uh, obviously, whatever his his other flaws, has been a winner historically for the Conservatives. And if you look at the polls at the moment, yes, uh, Labour is further ahead than in the past, but not to the extent that you'd say the next election's in the bag. And um, we've seen Labour poll ahead in midterm before, and then the Tories recover by the next elections. I still think there's some MPs who genuinely think that Boris Johnson is their best hope of, of re-election. Yeah, I'll come, I'll come on to the polling shortly because we've got some of the latest polling figures. I mean, in, of, that issue, of all the people being touted, Jeremy Hunt, this was Christopher Hope at The Telegraph, one ex-cabinet minister gets in touch with me to say of a groundswell of support for Jeremy Hunt amongst colleagues, which will manifest itself after May the 5th. The MP says he's not contaminated by Boris. He's a serious player for serious times. Of course, Jeremy Hunt was defeated by Boris Johnson in the leadership election in 2019, wasn't put on the front bench, so he's kind of a clean skin. What do you think? Maybe that's not as mad as it kind of maybe sounds from a Tory perspective. Why do you think it sounds mad? I mean, he, he did wow. come second last time. He is a serious player. I think he's he's done well as chairman of the Health Select Committee, a job I thought that at the time he probably shouldn't have taken on. I thought it was a bit, for somebody who had nearly become prime minister, I thought, is that is that really what, what you should be doing? But I think he's done well in that. Um, he, he's liked by people. Um, I think he's, um, we're, we're now six years past Brexit, and I think the Remainer Brexiteer divide is slowly going. I won't say it's disappeared. Um, I think he could be a very, very strong candidate were there to be a a vacancy. I only said mad actually because he, he I mean, you, you you just alluded to it because he was a Remainer and and you know I mean so was Liz Truss, but Liz Truss has kind of had this complete ultra. Well, to be fair, so is Jeremy Hunt. Um, back in, do you remember back in 2019 at that disastrous Conservative conference, uh, or was it 2018, uh, when Theresa May did that terrible speech? Not well, 2017. I've never seen the two, dream. Yeah. Two day, two days. Um, before that speech, I interviewed Jeremy Hunt and I said, look, if there were a second referendum, who would you, which side would you back, given that you were a Remainer? He said, well, I would now vote Leave because I'm disgusted at the way the EU has treated us. And then the next week I had Theresa May on and put the same question to her. And I mean, she just collapsed. She could not answer that question. So I, I'm not sure that would be the hindrance that people might think it is. Uh, I think it would be, given, given what's happened with Boris Johnson and... Um, I think it would need to be somebody who hadn't got their hands dipped in, in the blood necessarily. I mean, Penny Mordaunt, I think, would be a very serious contender because I mean, she is a government minister, but not in the cabinet because uh, Boris Johnson basically doesn't trust her. Um, I think she would be in contention. I think uh, Nadim Zahawi would. But um, I think that there would be a big um, vote for anyone but Liz Truss contingent on the Tory backbenches. One thing I'll say about Penny Mordaunt, very good on trans rights, rare for Tory. Very, very passionate about it. her brother's gay and she says her twin yeah. brother, and, and that's influenced her view on lgbtq rights george what do you think jeremy hunt or anyone else what do you think well i think the the dark horse to watch i think is ben wallace the defense secretary whose stock has risen a lot during the during the war in ukraine and who i think has avoided being discredited by going out on the media and offering ludicrous defenses of of, of boris johnson so i think he's played quite quite an astute hand interestingly a former ally of Boris Johnson used to very much be in, in, in Johnson's camp. So I think he's probably the one to watch, given how Sunak's incinerated his reputation. Liz Truss is seen as too obsessed with, with Instagram 
and somewhat out of her depth as, as, as foreign secretary. And then maybe Jeremy Hunt is seen too much as, as, as a figure from, from the past, but he would, he would be a contender, I think, if he stood. Before I'm, I'm, sure, on the I'm not sure I agree on Ben Wallace. Um, I think he's, he's had a good war, so to speak. But I suspect he would be in line to be the new Secretary General of NATO. I think that would be something that would fit him possibly better than, than the top job in British politics. But who knows? He's, he, I mean, he's got a lot of plaudits from commentators, but I suspect if he went round the average street in Britain, very few people would probably know who he is. But mm. before being on the poll leg, I did see this astonishing in the mail. <laughs> Boris Johnson plots an early general election to see off his leadership rivals as party gate uh, fast trundles on. I think that would be really bizarre, given what happened to Theresa May when she called an unnecessary general election, which obviously blew up in her face quite spectacularly. I w you wouldn't risk it, surely. What do you think, George? Start with you this. I mean, do you think well, I just can't? Well, as you say, it's it, it it could backfire in two senses. First, the the obvious one that uh, he could he could throw away his his majority, or even worse, see see Labour sneak over the line in a, in a hung parliament. But also that when you dangle uh, a general election, it, it concentrates MPs' minds. And it might, especially if you're in a seat where, say, the Lib Dems were in second place or in one of those tight red wall marginals where polling suggests actually that the Labour have made quite a lot of progress. And polling shows the voters who are angriest about party gates, and perhaps it's not too surprising, are those who switched from Labour to the Conservatives in 2019 who were promised a different kind of Conservative Party, and um, they've seen very little progress on 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 levelling up. Uh, but what they have seen is, is 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 scandal after scandal. So if you're saying to MPs a general election is coming, then they may look um, uh, at Boris Johnson and think, well, we may, we want to get rid of you before before the next election. I mean, Tad Camwell's asked this: Do the guests think that Boris Johnson could call a general election to get a new mandate? What do you think, Ian? Is that the Norwich City footballer? That's just texted. Todd Cantwell, is he? Oh, I thought you said Todd Cantwell. No, Todd Cantwell. Yeah, we've got <laughs> lots of professional footballers messaging in about British politics. Um, I think that's uh, a great story for a political journalist to write when they've got sort of sort of lots to write about on a particular day. I I, I think it's for the birds. Uh, I mean, Boris Johnson is a risk taker. He'll do anything to stay in power, but um, I think that would be. Uh, it's the sort of thing that an Australian prime minister might yeah. do. I, I can't, I, I can't see it happening here. If I'm honest. Um, now let's just look at the poll because Joe Murphy's asked: Is it naive to believe Labour would be in a stronger position in regards to a future election if Johnson stood or, stuck around? Now let's just have a look at. I mean, first actually, let's just hear from Keir Starmer because he actually did this performance in the Commons, which. I suppose got lots of plaudits. Let's just hear from him. That's how he operates. A merely mouthed apology when the cameras roll, a vicious attack on those who tell the truth as soon as the cameras are off. Slander decent people in a private room. Let the slander spread without the backbone to repeat it in public. How can the Prime Minister claim to be a patriot? when he deliberately attacks and degrades the institutions of our great country. Oh, that's how sorry, I put that again. Actually, that's unfortunate what I've just done there because I didn't choose that clip on purpose. But I, I just realised he did actually have to withdraw that claim publicly about 
Boris Johnson's attack on the BBC. So, oops. I didn't do it. Because people are now going to go, you did that to make Keith Palmer look stupid. <laughs> but I actually didn't. I didn't know which. We had a few clicks. I just went for the shorter one. Okay. Let's just carry on. Let's just show the polling. Okay. So, Boris Johnson's favourite Billy is, is, is bad. Let's just be honest. It's bad. He's on about 59% disapproving, 24% approve of him. Keir Starmer's favorability, well, it's better, but it's not very good. 53% disapprove, uh, this is according to YouGov, of Keir Starmer. 31% approve of him. Let's look at some of the polling. So according to YouGov, that's actually quite a healthy-ish, it's an okay lead for Labour and YouGov. That's a six-point lead. Labour on 39%, the Tories on 33%. If you look at opinion, Labour's on 36%. They've gone down to in the midst of this crisis, according to uh, according to them. There's a cost of living crisis and a massive political scandal. The Tories on thirty four percent. That's a two point lead. Now that could just be an outlier, but you really sh- they really shouldn't be registering two point leads. I mean, if you take the London elections, because we've got these council elections coming up. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. That suggests labor in London, as you'd expect doing very you know london is now a very labor city 45 percent labor 25 percent tories but that's only one point up in london on base compared to 2018 and and the tories down four to, to be fair but the greens also up well the other thing you have to bear in mind in this is the shy tory syndrome because if you think back to last year's mayoral election where sadiq khan was going to crush um sean bailey now he did win but not by a very big margin. There were far more Conservative voters came out to vote than any of the polls predicted. Or less so, Labour uh, voters turning out as well. Well, maybe. I, I mean, I, I I don't know what's going to happen on, on May the 5th. I mean, that's what we haven't even talked about that yet, because that's another thing that could bring Boris Johnson down. I suspect it won't, because if you compare the seats that were won last time by the Tories and Labour, it's quite difficult, I think, for Labour to make massive gains then. But if the Tories did lose by 800 lose 800 council seats which is what they're briefing so that indicates that they won't mm. um then that would be quite cataclysmic but i suspect it's going to be more to a 300 i mean that's the thing is i mean as ian says there's a lot of expectations management there and the tories are briefing that'll be terrible and all the rest of it 
I mean, wh- what do you think? We don't know, obviously, local elections coming up in, what, that's just a week and a half or so. But do, I mean, what do you think, George? In terms of Labour's polling, I mean, Keir Starmer, I know it sets, it sets Keir Starmer's most ardent supporters off. His polling isn't good. I mean, obviously, it's better than Boris Johnson's, but Boris Johnson's in the middle of the biggest scandal of any prime minister. For- yeah, you look at it. You look at that um, that polling, and it, it's a bit of a war of the week in terms of it's not who's the most popular; it's who, almost who's the the least unpopular. And when you have polling in that territory, it tends to result in a hung parliament or a government with sneaking back in with 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 a small majority. It's quite reminiscent of of the polling you saw in uh in before the 2015 general election although it's worth worth saying in starmer's favor he is polling ahead of boris johnson on the who would you like as the next prime minister question which is often a better guide to the to the result than the the headline voting attention but labor arguably should be doing better and i think the loyalty some voters have to the conservatives is is a legacy of the the remain uh leave divide um but also that I don't think people are clear yet on what a Labour government would do would do differently. I think um, Keir Starmer has actually played the politics of Partygate quite well. I don't think voters are yet sold on on Labour as an alternative government, and that's the that's the step they need to make. This question of whether Labour would be better off facing Boris Johnson or someone else, the honest answer is it depends who the Conservatives replace him with. You can think of uh, people who would be less popular than uh, than Boris Johnson who are polling worse than him. But in general, <clears throat> incumbents, particularly when uh, the economy is in trouble and we are heading for the biggest squeeze on household income since records began in 1956-57, that could be more lethal for Boris Johnson than uh, than Partygate even. Although I think it's the way the two interact that is perhaps most damaging. It's this sense that we made sacrifices during the pandemic. Um, we're now having our income squeezed by higher inflation. Uh, wages uh, that are that are stagnant in some cases, and uh, number ten have been uh, living it up and and laughing at us. The combination of all those factors is quite toxic for the Conservatives. I mean, even what you, I suppose you're getting at in terms of the shy, so-called shy Tory voters is is a lot of the Labour lead that we've seen during the party get scandal because this you saw this in December and then as it kept recurring. What happened is obviously you suddenly got the Tories going down on, and Labour getting a lead. And then as Partygate faded from the news, that, that lead diminished over time until Partygate re-emerged and then the lead went up. But what the underlying polling suggests that wasn't Tories defecting to Labour. There's very little of that actually happening. But Tory voters going to don't know. So when a Tory voter goes to don't know, that obviously takes a chunk out of polling because yeah. they, they exclude the don't knows. And that's the problem, isn't it? Actually, Labour have focused laser-like. I don't, obviously, as you know, uh, like their political direction, but they focus Labour-like on winning over Tory voters, but they haven't. That's not what actually is happening. It's Tories going to no, don't know. Yeah. And in an election campaign, they might just come back to the Tories. No, the key word is yet, because you're not going to get people to shift over within a few weeks. It, it will take time. And I mean, Keir Starmer became opposition leader at about the worst time that you could ever have to take over a political party. So I think even you, Owen, have to cut him a little bit of slack for the fact that he hasn't been able to get out there like a normal opposition leader would. Now, I see signs of that happening. I think He's got, that he... wooing the electorate with his charisma, you mean, and his warmth. Well, yeah, but look, we... A lot of people think we've had enough charisma over the past few years. And if you go back to uh, Churchill, 
and this this rule applies virtually every prime minister you have a charismatic one then you have a dull one then you have a charismatic one then you have a dull one happens in our politics it happens in american politics as well so i mean if if the if the trend continues um, Keir Starmer's in quite a good position to to to. Or Jeremy Hunt, I suppose, because Jeremy Hunt is, a, is not exactly. Mr. Well, he's, dull, he's duller than Boris Johnson, but then so is so are most other people. I look, I get a lot of emails and tweets and phone calls on my show from Conservative voters who are saying, "We've had enough. We can't put up with this any longer," uh, and I'm kind of almost there myself. Where, I mean, I have always voted Conservative at a general election with one exception and I've never voted Labour um, I'm not going to vote Conservative in the local elections because that's my only that's my only way of protesting can I ask who you are going to vote for it's a secret ballot so you don't have to tell me that um, probably the Tunbridge Wells Alliance which is a sort of like residence sort of citizen Smith type residence type thing right. um, <laughs> but I mean it would take a lot for me to vote Labour but if I look at Labour's front bench team now, I mean, I still think it's quite weak overall, but there are people that I respect holding some of the top jobs now. Like who? Uh, you can't just name your LBC colleagues. David Lammy's an LBC colleague. Did I mention David Lammy? No, but I'm just, I'm just wondering who. Well, I, I just... think I think Rachel Reeves has it in her to become an absolutely first-class politician. I don't think she's there yet, but I think she could well be. She did an hour-long phone-in with me the day after the budget. Rishi Sunak did one the day before, and he didn't do very well. Uh, she did brilliantly. And I, I actually said to her before we went on air, I said, look, you're really funny. Just show a bit of that. And she did. And she she was totally different to sometimes the rather, the rather robotic Rachel Reeves that you can get. I think West Streeting, again... Um, I'm sure somebody who is not, well, he's not on your side of the Labour Party, is he? Owen? No, but he's not. No. I think he's somebody that can reach across the political divides and people will take seriously. I think, yeah, I could imagine voting for him. And I think there are quite a few others. Um, now, the, the Tories haven't lost the next election yet. And there's still probably two years for them to get back people who are slightly wavering at the moment, who are appalled at what's been going on, not just on Partygate, but on things like the refugees to Rwanda as well. I mean, that was what kind of did it for me. Uh, mm. And that I just couldn't believe that they could come out with, with such a, a wicked and crass policy. People say, oh, well, you should have seen that one coming, shouldn't you? Well, that, not, no, because I don't believe that is the way the Tory party behaves. Mm. So I don't think they've lost it, um, but they're on the way to losing it if they don't shape up fairly dramatically over the next few months what i mean what do you think george just in terms of i mean the vision thing i guess is what i'm getting at with labor because you know i i, I think the problem is a lot of people look I've, I've i know people around keir starmer who i've known most of my adult life so uh, you know i know i got i think a pretty good sense of keir starmer i've you know i've, I've not not spoke to him recently to say the least but i have i i every time i met him you know, I try to chat to, to, to work out where he stands and, and his beliefs and all the rest of it. There is a consensus that he doesn't have a strong, clear vision for the country. And he sees himself as being a competent prime minister, essentially. That's what he aspires. Well, that's a really bad thing, isn't it? Well, I, I'm not saying that. I'm, <laughs> I'm saying though that he's not got a strong sense of, I want power to do this for the country. That's what, that's what I mean he, by that. He's not ideological. That's what you mean. I, I think the Labour Party's had no. quite enough of ideology over the last well, few years. I, I, think, I, I think just having... I think, okay, Tony Blair, I think, had a vision for the country. I might not have agreed with the vision for the country. But, but it wasn't had, ideological. 
it had well, it had a very clear vision for the country. He knew what Tony Blair was setting out and where he wanted to take the country. I think that was pretty clear. And I don't think you got that with Keir Starmer. I don't think any leadership of, of the Labour Party has ever lacked a vision as much as this one. And I actually think regardless of, you know, Callaghan had some sort of vision. Wilson, Wilson definitely had a vision. The white burning heat of technology. I don't think they've got a vision. What do you think, George? Am I being unfair? Well, I think I think um, it's definitely a critique you can make of, of Keir Starmer that he sometimes does seem too loyally, too too focused on being a strong opposition leader holding the government to account rather than an alternative prime minister with with a vision. I mean, an interesting contrast is with Andy Burnham. I think you do get a clearer sense of why Andy Burnham's in politics, what motivates him. He's got big projects he'd want to do. A national care service is the most obvious one. Uh, vision for uh, transforming the transport system. And actually, we're in an age when you do need politicians with big ideas and big solutions because we're in an accelerating climate crisis. Uh, you've got the health service under huge pressure, the social care uh, system under even greater pressure, and the uh, tax rise announced by the Conservatives is really just a sticking plaster for that. You've got, as I said, the biggest squeeze in living standards since records began. Uh, the economy's very unbalanced. It doesn't look as if the Conservatives are going to deliver on, on so-called levelling up. These are all uh, problems which require a, a visionary prime minister. So I think it's quite possible that Keir Starmer will get over the line. I don't see Labour winning a majority, I think particularly because they went from 41 seats in Scotland uh, to just to just one and haven't recovered since. Uh, that's, that makes it much harder. Uh, but I think you, I, I, I don't think you need to be um, the, the the biggest Keir Starmer fan in the world to see. Actually, there are circumstances where where Labour could easily form a government, particularly because uh, the Liberal Democrats uh, won't deal with the the Conservatives. Uh, the SNP wouldn't prop up a Conservative government. So the mass could be on his side. But in terms of whether you see the potential for him to be a visionary Prime Minister with a project of the kind that. Clemens Hatley had of the kind actually that from the right that Margaret Thatcher had, but the the the, the jury is very much out on that. Um, just finally, because I know I said about half an hour, so I'm overrunning now, which is terrible. So uh, I'll do this quickly. David Barata asks: the longer Boris Johnson remains, the more he redefines what's seen as acceptable behaviour for a person of his office. Much of his bad behaviour has been normalised. How damaging has it been to UK politics? I suppose that's the Trump effect, isn't it? Where you get such, you start by being shocked, and then you, you're just not shocked by anything. And, and what's seen as what was seen as shocking becomes the norm and legitimised. What do you think, Ian? Has that happened in British politics? Well, I think most of this was factored in in 2019. It wasn't as if uh, the Labour Party in the 2019 election didn't go on the fact that Boris Johnson lied. I, I remember pulling Emily Thornberry up once where she was calling Boris Johnson a liar in an interview with me. And I said, Emily, do we, do we really need to go there? Is, is that the language that someone in your position ought to be using? Basically, I've given up pulling any opposition politician up who, who says that now because um, we, we can all see what's happening. I think I think it has been deeply damaging to the body politic. Um, but just can I get, just go back to something that George said there about the, the vision thing. Um, the, the task facing Keir Starmer is not the task faced by Neil Kinnock or Tony Blair or John Smith. It's all three of them. And that that's where you wonder whether he is up to it, where, whether he can really take them over the line. And you're right, Owen, the, the, the number, was it George said this? I can't remember the number of seats that they would need to get in Scotland to get a majority means that a majority Labour government is almost impossible, I think, at the next election. 
So it would probably be a hung parliament. And, and just finally, if the, the task that faced Neil Kinnock in 1983, I think was far harder than the task that faces Keir Starmer now in the sense that he, he didn't just have, um, uh, he, he was facing Margaret Thatcher. Now, Boris Johnson is no Margaret Thatcher. Um, so he's got it easier from that point of view. But uh, in terms of turning turning around his party and freeing it from the extremists, well, I think I would say he's done quite a good yeah, job of that, much more quickly than Neil Kinnock did. I want to put this to you. I want to put this to you. I mean, because as, as long as I'm not, by the way, you can tell me to shut up because you might want to might want to go because no, I overrun it. I okay. do two hour podcasts, Owen, so I'm used to. It I don't, oh, hello. All right. Um, okay, that's fine. <laughs> I want what? Okay, this is what I want to put to you. I, I've spent a lot. We spent a lot of this talking about how, in fact, the question there about Boris Johnson's behaviour undermining British democracy. I think that that's a, that's a you know easy book closed book kind of obvious thing to say. His lying, his deceit, his often demagoguery, awful. The point I would put to you is this: with Keir Starmer, who's got the easiest ride from his own MPs and the British media of any Labour leader since Tony Blair. It's just that's just a fact. Um, and yeah, his polling is bad, but. The point I was going to put to you about democracy is Keir Starmer is presented as this, in comparison, and I think in comparison it's true, as being this man of integrity and all the rest of it. Do you not think it undermines British democracy when politicians say one thing and then they do another? Because what Keir Starmer presented in the Labour... You'll be touching your pearls next, won't you? No, no, I'm not touching my pearls. I'm talking about (laughs) democracy. And I think this is... Look, you've knocked on doors, I've knocked on doors, and a cliche you get is they say one thing and then yeah. they do another. They never As they have for the last 200 years. Yeah, but, it, but Keir Starmer, no leader... Tony Blair did not run as one thing and then lead as another. And, 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 and neither actually did Boris Johnson in the Tory leadership election. You more or less knew what you were getting. Keir Starmer presented himself as Corbynism with, without Corbyn, a competent unifying. Party unity was a big thing. Do you not think... If he wanted to run on the platform he's now running, which is Blairism without Blair, he should have said so <coughs> in the leadership election, because otherwise it's just straightforward dishonesty. He's he, well, he, he was dishonest in in, in and, and if he if he's dishonest once, he will be dishonest over and over again, and you can't trust anything he says. You have just outlined the Tory attack policy during the next election campaign, and we saw it this week at Prime Minister's Questions, where Boris Johnson was saying, well, he, he, he's a Corbynista in a smart Islington suit. And you look at the policies, and actually, OK, he has refined them a bit, but most of the policies that they're coming out with are policies from 2019, with some exceptions. But they, they haven't totally shelved Corbynism in terms of the policy agenda. And that's what would really prevent people like me from ever voting for them, because um, you have all of these sort of nice, moderate-sounding people, but actually the policies aren't that different from 2019. So that is what, that is where I think the Tories are really going to attack him. Now, the problem is he doesn't look like a Corbynista. He, he doesn't come across as in any way extreme. He's the sort of person that um, mo- most people think would be so that they'd quite like to have a drink with. Um, now, does that make does that mean they'll vote him in, in as prime minister? Um, I, I don't know. But can I just plug something? Because last week I did a two hour, 10 minute interview with Neil Kinnock, a sort of biographical interview. Um, which is going out on my Ian Dale All Talk podcast next Wednesday. And I think your listeners and viewers would really like that. It's a, it's a fantastic conversation. And he really opens up, particularly about the minor strike, particularly about Militant and the 92 election. 
Great, yeah. Well, I'll definitely check that out. I've interviewed Neil Kinnick. I mean, whenever you interview Neil Kinnick, it's a lengthy occasion. It so, is. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's more my fault than his, but... George, um, <laughs> what do you say? I mean, George, I mean, obviously, David Brown has asked about Boris but as I've said, I do think yeah. the point about Keir Starmer, I think, is a very clear-cut one, which he, he was dishonest, and if you're dishonest once, you'll always be dishonest, and that is an attack on democracy itself. Mm. Yes, yeah, so on Starmer, I think you can make the charge that he campaigned in the leadership election as 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 one politician, and then he's um, governed or uh, it, it governed in office as as opposition leader as as a different one. But I think the left has to be wary of essentially complaining that they got beaten because Keir Starmer was too cunning and good at politics. Essentially, I think the challenge for the left is where's their alternative leader, and 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 actually, it's one thing to hold to hold Starmer to account, but I think they almost face. It's a it, it's a comparable challenge in in a sense to the one but Starmer faces against Johnson, which is that are you just going to be someone who's a good critic, who's 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 good at, at landing blows, or are you actually going to come up with with an alternative vision? I think the challenge for the left is can you motivate people to to get behind an alternative figure, whether 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 or not someone for a future leadership election actually, or someone like Tony Benn who can command huge influence. From the from the back benches, I think the left currently lacks that figure in Parliament, and I think that's why it's been easier for Starmer to get away with uh, with some of what he has um, <clears throat> than, one, than perhaps other lead, Labour leaders. What one thing I think that really threatens Labour at the next election is the possibility of a sort of Corbynista split. Um, we still don't know whether Jeremy Corbyn is going to form this this new party. Which, if he did, I'm not sure that Keir Starmer realizes how bad that would be for Labour, because if you think back to the 1980s, when the Labour Party split then with the SDP breaking away, um, now I don't think the Corbynist Party would get the kind of levels of support that the SDP did, but Thatcher got a 144 seat majority in 1983, 101 in 1987, and that was because the left had split. So um, it'd be very, very interesting to see what happens on that. And, and if, if that happened, I mean that that I think would be mean that a general election would be likely earlier than May 2024 because if, if this new party got even five or ten percent support in the polls, that would be enough to make sure that there was a Conservative Party victory at the next election. I mean, on that, Ian, actually, you know, one of the calculations I remember I thought about this because I spoke about this first actually about a year and a half ago, a year ago. There are some in, around Starmer's team, I think, who think. There'll be a hung parliament if Labour can get over the line in the next election. It, it, it's very unlikely that Labour could win a majority. And in that scenario, there will be a Tory attack. The, the, normally, they go for the SNP propping up a Labour government. That's what they did to Ed Miliband and tried mm. what he did to Jeremy Corbyn in, in 2017. Um, but this time, they'll go, oh, but actually, these Corbyn Easter MPs, will uh, he'll be dependent on them. And actually, they fear that you could end up with the SNP and left-wing Labour MPs in a hung parliament own, basically pressuring the Labour leadership into, well, abiding by what Starmer said he did in the leadership election. But that's why I think some of them want to take the whip of several left-wing MPs, which is what they nearly did actually at the beginning of the Ukraine crisis, 11 of them. I think if that happens, then because those MPs do not want to split and form a new party, they don't. Um, but if that happened, they wouldn't have any other choice. And then you would get a party created. I mean, I don't know. If it, just finally, George. Oh, well, I, I think the left have made the right call in not um, not handing 
giving Keir Starmer what he wants, which is which which is an, is, is an excuse to with, withdraw the whip. I think you know, John McDonald's very much been behind the strategy that you you have more influence staying within Labour uh, than 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 going outside. I think the Change UK project shows that there is not a great hunger for for new parties. Um, I think a left party could be an effective campaigning force, but I don't think you would see uh, a great uh, swathe of MPs returned if they if they took that option. I agree with that. I think there may be sort of a handful. Obviously, Jeremy Corbyn is the most likely one, um, but it would be difficult to see that there would be more than a handful winning. I just wanted to come in on Boris Johnson, uh, Owen. Um, um, I think we do have to fight to avoid his abuses becoming normalised because they are so frequent. I mean, just to run through some of them, illegally prorogued Parliament, gave Tory donor Peter Crellis uh, a peerage in defiance of the House of Lords Appointments Committee, gave Evgeny Lebedev a peerage in defiance of uh, advice from the intelligence services, the secret funding of the profligate Downing Street renovation. You could go on all day. And Peter Hennessy, the constitutional historian, not a man given to overstatements, mm. described Boris Johnson as the great debaser in modern times of decency in public and political life and of our constitutional conventions. But I think it goes beyond one person. What I think Boris Johnson shows is that there are deep rooted problems with the with the British system. I think, for instance, power is far too centralized in Westminster. There are very few other democracies which give a prime minister uh, head of government as much power as the British system does, the unelected House of Lords, the the party funding racket. All of this means it's very easy for a demagogue, a populist to accrue huge amounts of power in Downing Street. And this is something I think that means constitutional reform has to be uh, on the agenda. It's not something that gets talked about a huge See, amount. I, I think you're overstating your case there. He's not a demagogue in the conventional sense of the, what we think that word means. He's pretty demagogic he, sometimes. He, he, well, he's not. A, I mean, a demagogue, I think, generally is regarded as somebody who's a fantastic speaker, who sways crowds by their power of oratory. That, that is not Boris Johnson. I think what this shows is that we have the weakest, supine, most supine cabinet in history. And I, I don't see any reason for massive constitutional reform. I think if a cabinet was doing its job, um, I, I, I think a lot of these things wouldn't happen, but uh, I'm afraid it isn't. Ian and George, you've both been fantastic. Really, really enjoyed that. Lively stuff. Very thought-provoking. Just what we wanted. Uh, so thank you so, so much for joining us on a Sunday. It's such short notice as well. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, obviously, I'm sure lots of you follow them on social media. Ian Dale and George Eaton, obviously you know who they are. You've been listening to them for about an hour. So, But do look them up. And obviously... Uh, George does brilliant writing at the New Statesman, so do read those and interviews as well. And Ian has about 50,000 podcasts as well as his Elvin Seed show. <laughs> so just just listen to one, one of his million uh, podcasts, uh, including for the many. But honestly, real pleasure to have you both. So thanks for joining us. On Thank you very much. Owen. Take care. Speak to you soon. Take care. Thank Bye-bye. you. Lovely stuff. Right. I think I'm going to go for a nice little walk. Lovely weather. Um Thanks for everyone for joining in as ever and for supporting us. So join next Sunday at 12 o'clock and also watch the interviews, which we will publish this week and the week after. Lots of love, everyone. Have a lovely Sunday. Speak to you soon. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you found that informative, educational, uh, interesting. And I certainly did. Uh, do support us on Patreon to keep the show on the road. 
uh, forward slash Owen Jones 84 leave us some stars that'd be nice spread the word and I look forward to speaking to you soon <laughs>